I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. Hi folks and welcome to episode 2 of Commentary Frack Stars, your in-depth analysis of Battlestar Galactica and all things Cylon. Uh, each week we'll be delving into a different aspect of the series, be it a dissection of a particular episode, the minutiae of the series, trivia, character assassination and all of the glorious things to do with Cylons and humans trying to kill each other. We will have a rotating cast. But this week, returning from last week, I am pleased to announce that I have with me Max. Hi, Max. Hey. And Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going? So, what we'll be doing this week, folks, is we'll be covering the very first thing that we've seen in the reboot, which was the miniseries. And we're going to be talking about all things to do with the miniseries, what we thought of it, uh, the introduction of the characters, where it leads us to, and so on and so forth. So, to all intents and purposes, a review. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you listen to last week's episode, we do an introduction, we give you an outline. So, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to me. And then what we're saying this week will make a lot more sense. Well, might make a bit more sense. Might not. There you go. We never know. It's entirely possible it will make it's more, entirely <laughs> more or less sense. Anything is possible. So... To get started then on the miniseries, obviously the first thing is the fact that we get um, the introduction to the Cylons in a rather unique way. Mm -hmm. So, Max, when you first seen, seen the new Cylons, what did you think? I actually didn't, I, the, the, I didn't think a lot about it actually. I, I kind of just thought, Okay, so that's what it, what Cylons look like now that we're not in the seventies anymore and we're designing these things in CGI. And a lot of it just sort of seemed like a like a logical progression of the design. Well, you were talking about. See, I was thinking he meant the fact that Cylons are. You mean you mean the like human humans? Yeah. That's no, not... because the first thing you see is actually what they call them toasters. Yeah, okay. the centurions. Right. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. And when Six walks out, I thought, oh, of course, obviously, there are humanoid versions of these things, because that's just how it is now. And as soon as you realize that they're doing that, it makes perfect sense, because it would be an impossible show if we were supposed to watch aluminum chrome-plated things walk around and have character interactions. 
Yeah. There's there's only so much you can get out of a, a CGI um, Iron Man. Yeah, and, and Baltar and Asalam wouldn't have had the same effect. I think you know they might the, have been a very different effect. <laughs> The, the, the other thing about it, though, is, you know, I, I think it was really smart from a uh, storytelling standpoint in that a lot of, uh, no, I know that we've had this debate, but it, it's it's more of a semantic debate, I think, than anything. But So I'm just going to say this, okay, and, and move on. But say the thing that's wrong. A, a lot of uh, what this show has to do with is uh, sort of like... Um, living in a post 9-11 world you know like rebuilding society after after a great uh tragedy sure and and um you know one of the things about post 9-11 america is that uh you don't know who the enemy is it could be anybody you know and to it could be you it could be me probably is probably is so, so to take away the sort of visual cue that this is a Cylon and to say, like, that person could be a Cylon or that person could be or whatever, it then, um, you know, adds that element of, of paranoia and um, really sort of allows the creators to play along with or play with that idea. And I, I thought that that was um, a really, really smart decision on the whole. Yeah, that paranoia thing is also in the original series, which is from the 70s, and obviously not in reference to 9-11. Well, I mean, it's... it's it resonates differently which, now, you know, but it's I not mean, about it. I mean, it's it, that's obviously like a, a theme which is running throughout history. I mean, you look back right. at like the movies of the 50s and, you know, it's it's all about communism. Well, no, it's not about communism. It, well, It resonates because that's the real world situation. Okay, but it's also about it in the sense that it's trying to let you let's not get into this fight we we, we if, if you'd like to if hear, you think that the, the bsg is about 9-11 then it also applies to the original series fine all right and i don't have a problem with that if you think the original battlestar galactica series is about 9-11 then i'm fine with that but the other the alternative is silly okay all right yes if you'd like to hear Max and I debate this and other topics about Battlestar Galactica, go to CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we have a whole bunch of Battlestar Galactica commentaries. Or usually, any other episode, doesn't really matter. Which usually end in shouting matches. Yeah. So. Usually. Usually. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> it was interesting now that given that this was actually one of the them episode the series is that actually aired in Britain first. Well, no, it's not. This the, the miniseries aired, I think, simultaneously. Yeah, it was the season one which aired in Britain first. Yeah, yeah. The, the first all, thirteen episodes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Ronald D. Moore actually had uh, asked Americans to stop downloading it. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because it could have hurt its uh, renewal chances. Yeah. Yeah. But this one aired. Um, it, it aired in, in the U.S. in December. I believe it was December third, two thousand three. December ninth. Eighth. Eighth. Okay. Yeah. It's close. It's very it, close. December two thousand and three, and uh, I, I think it, it was a simultaneous release, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Sky One in Britain, and Sci Fi in America. But they're six hours ahead, so they might have seen it six hours earlier. This is true, yeah. And there's that whole thing, which is, you know, was really weird in that, you know, they're like, yes, the Battlestar Galactica miniseries is like, you know, the the most successful thing we've ever done on Sci-Fi Channel. It's, you know, a huge hit. And yet, um, we don't know if we're going to renew it for for a, a full season because it's really freaking expensive. And there was a big long gap in between when this aired and when season one debuted um, because yeah. they couldn't figure out the, the money situation really yeah there have been bigger gaps sure but but yeah there it, bigger it, gaps inside Battlestar Galactica right? well yeah actually especially after the next season yeah. Yeah. yeah but like there like it's it was there was an interval but I mean there have been crazier intervals mm-hmm but there was that question. I remember, like having seen the miniseries, wondering. Actually, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if there would be a, a, a new one. I don't yeah. think that's right. Yeah, it might have already been sorted out. By yeah, I, but think, I, do I think by the time you'd seen the miniseries, yeah. they'd already started. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, luckily, it did continue. Yeah, and luckily, I was so impressed with Series 1. I commissioned Series 2 while Series 1 was still running. Yeah, yeah. And, and even if it hadn't continued... If you just take this mini series, I mean that. I mean that's the thing that I always tell people when I'm trying to convince them to watch the show. I'm like, just watch the mini series. It works on its own, and one of two things is going to happen: either you're not going to like it and you're going to move on with your life, or you're going to start episode one of the first season immediately afterwards because you're hooked, you know. And it, it's. It's just the way it goes, because it, and, and that's what most people do. I think that's probably what you did, because it's so good. Yeah, I just I just got the box set out, started to watch the mini series, and then went straight into the series, and that was it every night then. And Until I got to the end. I've I've introduced the series to a few people, and every time I do so, the the mini series finishes up, and then I have to say, no. No, it gets a lot better, like immediately. Yeah. And they go, all right, fine, I'll watch the next episode. After the miniseries, on three separate occasions, I've shown the miniseries to people, and they go, that was boring. No, I, I, I know what you're saying. I've heard that happen before. I know, like, our friend Rudra, who I'm sure I'll, I'll get on the show at some point, he, he said, you know, like, well, the miniseries was okay, but, oh, man, once I saw that first episode of season one, I was mm -hmm. hooked. And I remember... Uh, watching it on movie night and, and uh, uh, Daniel our friend Daniel who had never seen the show before came over and he was excited because finally he was going to get to see Battlestar Galactica yeah. and it ended and he's like wow that was that was really not what I was thinking it would be uh, I mean I've said it a bunch of times but the miniseries does not really it, it doesn't kick ass I, I totally disagree like to me it totally doesn't screw anything up <laughs> Like, to me, the miniseries blew me away. And then when season one started, I was like, this is really good. Yeah, 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 I like it. And it wasn't until season two started where I was like, wow, okay, now the show is back on track. You know? Not that I, not that season one isn't four-star caliber, but, like, while season one was going on, I was like, oh, Deep Space Nine is still the best show ever made. And then when season two started, I'm like, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Mike, there are only so many gold medals you can hand out at one event. That's what I'm saying. So, stop giving gold medals to everything. This is a silver medal. It was a silver okay. medal, okay? Season 2, silver. But by Or season 1, sorry. Xander, cut that out. Season 1. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but I'm going to do that all the freaking time. Season 1, silver. Season 2, gold. What's the miniseries? It's platinum. Ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> what about Razor? Marble. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Razor. I mean, you, you got. What I'm saying is, the series on the whole thought it was a silver after season one. By the time it ended, it was definitely gold. The Resistance episodes. Look. It's Correct all, answer is limestone. It's all part of the same thing. Okay. You know? Hmm. Getting back to the miniseries. Yes. Which is what we're supposed to be talking about. We're going to go on tangents. There's no way around it, right? No, there's no way around it. No. Yeah. No. So, um, we get introduced to the principal characters in, in the miniseries, as you would, because basically, to all intents and purposes, it's the pilot. So, we get again introduced to Commander William Adonna, who's commander of the Battlestar Galactica, which is the only surviving Battlestar from the original Solon War from 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And as such, he's not fitted with the latest technology, so doesn't get affected by the super-secret EMP-pulsed weapon that the Solons have got. Right. It's intentionally not. It's a, no, it's a, it's a virus. It's not an EMP. Okay. All right. Come on, guys. Sorry. Come on, seriously? I, you know, the, I say it's EMP, the EMP like weapon. The EMP is what the colonials use against the slaves. Okay, alright, sorry. I'm not up on uh, the EMP technology. It's, it's and... not complicated. Okay. 
It's a computer virus. That's the like the whole miniseries is about how Six got access to oh. the defense network and it's put a, a virus. Okay, it's a virus. I, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying an EMP. Okay. I, I thought you said when, when the virus. When the riders do the little red eye bit, they're projecting the virus into the into the fire pits. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes, virus. You're right. It is a virus. I apologize, Max. So, so yeah. So yeah. So. Um, we also get introduced to Katie Sackhoff, who plays Starbuck. Yeah, in that amazing, that amazing uh, Paul Thomas Anderson-like single shot, which introduces you to all the important characters. It's like the opening of Boogie Nights. That's how you know this is going to be a good show. Stop saying ridiculous things. It, it ripped off the uh, <laughs> the the first shot. The Sandra, intro cut this out. To all. <laughs> It, it introduced the uh, you know all of the characters in a in a very similar fashion to to Boogie Nights, and that you have this one shot which takes you through the entire ship, so you get a sense of the geography and everything within that ship. Yeah, you know where that hallway is. I'm just saying, it's it's an impressive. <laughs> you know where the washroom is. It's an impressive shot, and it's a great way to introduce the characters. So, yeah. So yes, we we are introduced to. to to Starbuck there and Katie Sackhoff. Yeah. We get, and we find out that uh, Gaius Bolter, who in the original series actually, he, didn't he go over to, he actually was on a base start in the original series? Yeah, he was very much sort of a, an arch villain. You know? He became Archie as, as it went along. Early on, he was kind of sort of silly. Yeah. All right. Okay. But in this one, he's super smart. I think they were both super smart, but like the like this one, he's not actually a bad guy. He's just sort of stuck in between both sides. Mm -hmm. Whereas the original one was definitely on the Cylon side. Mm -hmm. So it's just more of like a, a making him a little bit trickier. Well, basically, just making him more likable, really. So, well, no, likable not... in the way that you have to dislike him. It's it's making him more complex. It's making him less of a, a cartoon, and more of a uh, um, a well-rounded individual. But yeah, he's got a, he's got a lot of sides to his personality, as mm -hmm. as we find out as the as the series uh, well, progresses. He he's he's got more going on than just evil. Right. The original one was just evil. So right. by giving him, you know, like complex feelings about the situation, they're making him more likable. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I mean, you can't like the original guy because there's nothing there. Yeah. The like the new Baltar, he's likable because even if you don't like what he's doing, you know that he's sort of trapped. Yeah. And he might not see a way out. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to find the way out. And if he's so brilliant, he should have figured a way out. Come on, seriously. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to figure a way out when your girlfriend's virtual. I don't know what you mean exactly, but I've never been in that scenario. So. <laughs> well, he literally cannot get away from her. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, basically number six, who we find out in, in the miniseries is uh, Asylum. And she used him to get the codes to bring down the defense net, which enabled the attack to take place. But when when she, to all intents and purposes, dies, she then becomes like an avatar. Yes. If... Uh, there's the head characters that then become a major part of the show. There's a whole... There's a whole month-long series of episodes about the head characters, I imagine, coming up. <laughs> yeah, but I'm on about Baltar literally cannot get away from his... You know, his, his love, because she just pops up whenever she wants. Also, she's kind of not the same person, so... Kind yeah, of, kind of a complicated scenario there. So, although there is some hysterical scenes when he's having sex with her, and only he can see her. Yeah, in season one. Yeah. When there is, there's some really funny scenes. Yeah. Before the show gets super serious, they do some really awesome stuff. Yeah. Which is also part of the part of the part of the thing that I liked about it was the fact that they, in all in all this darkness and in all this despair. There's moments of, of hilarity. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's on the bridge and she's seducing him and he's got his head back on the chair. And uh, the, the guy comes out, you all right? Yes, I'm fine. Yes, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's weird how, like, if, if you look at that first season, you hear some of the things that they were talking about. Like, you, they had plans to do kind of like, uh, well, Max and I have been talking about the X-Files recently on our other show. And it sounds like they kind of wanted to do that thing where you'd have, like, the occasional comedic episode. And where the threat isn't mortal. Right. But it's enough to cause at least a few characters great amounts of stress. Yeah. Like the, the boss coming over for dinner. Right. And which they actually and Barbie, yeah. do. <laughs> Call it to track stars, folks. Go listen to Barbie Street Tiles. There you go. Yeah. Is that what it's called? No, it's not what it's called. Okay. <laughs> That's what you talked about. There you go. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but that's you know, I guess they realized that that the stakes were so high, and I mean that's actually kind of the thing that they were fighting against the original in the original series. I mean the the thing that that Ron Moore always brings up, and it's totally true. You know, it's it's a series about the apocalypse, and then literally it's in the first episode. He says it's the second episode, but it was literally in the first episode of that original series. They go to the casino planet. It's, like, it's, it's also kind kidding? of the second half of the first episode. Either way, who cares? The point is, it's like, you guys aren't taking this seriously. Everyone is just all, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy, whatever. Wow, while... Ron Stimpy reference. There you go. 20 wow. years in the making, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> while, you know, 99.9% .9 of humanity has just been wiped out. Well, what are you going to do after that happens? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Go to a Vegas planet. Okay, all right. Or Vegas. I guess we all deal with uh, stress in different ways. I mean, it's it's a, it's a more healthy response than the, than, than alcoholism, Colonel Ty. I guess that's true. That's true. But um, which is the more realistic uh, response? And you know, when when the whole premise of your of your reboot is to take it seriously this time then you've got to be really, really careful with the humor. And I think after dipping their toes in that water in season one, they realized that this was a very, very precarious thing to deal with. And, um, and like it, cowards, they didn't do it again. Perhaps, perhaps. that's Maybe they should have given it one more shot. But Come on, you guys. I'm glad I didn't do it again. I'm glad I didn't do the bloody dog. That's true. That's true. They, they did have the dog right like on the planet or something like that and they were gonna and the kid they got rid of the kid too boxy yeah they gradually phased that kid out mm -hmm. in a way that you you gradually phase out a kid yeah i was gonna say in the real life gradually in the sense that uh stop calling him he was in one episode and then gradually the <laughs> as he's just dead not there he's not. Yeah. yeah so yeah but that would have been awkward because you know boomer would have had to keep you know, pulling the chair out and giving him a cocoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or biscuits, as we call them over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah, that's. I'm, I'm glad they, they didn't keep boxing. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having the kid. I think there's 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 definitely good places to go there. The 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 uh, the ideas that the show could have you know, explored are we're talking about a different show, but I don't think that this different show would necessarily have been worse. If they had, if they had made, if they had not had Boxy on the show, if they had not had Boxy in the pilot, had they not Boxy, yeah, in in the miniseries, they could have changed uh, Hera into a boy and called him Boxy. That would have been a way to get the kid into That's the show. That's a Shyamalan level twist right there. <laughs> yeah. Didn't see that coming. No. So like, also, don't really care when it arrives. So, so then like Boxy would be the, the you know, the, the, the missing link and uh, mitochondrial so Adam. There's no but way you, you still know about the box okay. because right. Hera never got to the point where she owned a dog. Mitochondria don't go through your, your reproductive process. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, but anyway, Boxy got boxed. Yes, yes. There you go. Boxing Boxy. Boxing Boxy. <laughs> now that's a spinoff. <laughs> you, you, could, you could take that one of two ways. It goes into an yeah. MMA. 
Yeah. And, uh, and he rises probably to be a lot better film than Boxing Helena. Maybe. Well, honestly, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Colin, what, 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 what did you think of the show? Or where are we at now in terms of the mini Where are we at now? Yeah. Well, 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 I think we've, we've done the, basically that they have attacked uh, and lied wise to the colonies. Okay, so we're like five minutes in. Five minutes into the miniseries. To this 180-minute yeah. miniseries. Oh, yeah. Let's we're skip to well. the next story beat, <laughs> which is like an hour later. Uh, yeah, so basically the 12 colonies have attacked. The 12 colonies are nuked on a massively large scale with very special nuclear missiles because when the explosion goes up, you can stand within one mile of them and have a conversation. I wonder I, okay. like, I wonder what, what the, the deal was there because, I mean, she protect. I don't know. Who knows what, Wait, hold what... on a second. Wh which scenario, which scene are you talking about? Well, there's two scenes. There's one where she basically puts Baltar between her legs. Yeah. And protects him from a nuclear blast wave. Oh, which, when which it is... shatters the glass. That's an amazing yeah. shot, by the way. Yes, it is. It is. That's not... Then, that's not and there's the other scene where uh, Boomer lands with Hilo in the Raptor, and there's nuclear bombs going off all around them. And they're fine. Well, that's... the. There, there's plenty of nuclear testing that's been done in our own history, and we can point to a lot of places where, like, you can be really, really far away and not be killed by the the blast or the radiation, but you're going to get hit with some of that radiation, and very far away, you're still going to see some stuff break because it's still a pretty big impact. Unless you're in a fridge. You know what's crazy? I'm starting to think that maybe that fridge thing is possible. <laughs> they, they say they did tests or whatever. Yeah, and I and like I thought about that for a long time, and then I like I like got home one day after after like talking about it in one of these episodes, and I like thought about it for like a good hour, and I came up with like maybe, mm -hmm. maybe the only problem is I don't quite see how he could have actually been flung out of the blast. Mm -hmm. Surviving it might be possible, but he would be stuck in the middle of a completely irradiated wasteland. That's just the one problem. I really don't have a problem with that thing, honestly. But what with the film in general, or just the fridge bit? Both. Mike's a terrible person. Yeah, we need to talk, Mike. Okay. No, there's no talk. There's no talking about this. Right. There's no yeah. intervention here. Honestly. <laughs> So, so many things wrong with that. So many things. Like all of the things that you can possibly name about it. Yes. Those are the yes. things that are wrong. You know, including the fact that the fridge flew through the air and landed and the door never came open and there wasn't a dent on the fridge. Whatever. You know, I mean, come on. They don't make them like they did in the old days. No, no. <laughs> you, don't, you don't go into an electrical shop now and it says nuclear bomb proof on a fridge. No. No, back in the 80s, everything said that. Yeah. Your dishwasher, was... you could hop in that, survive anything. Yeah, but that's why that's why they call them white goods, because there was painted white to deflect the blast. White goods? White. No, white. Yeah, I, I heard that's what I said. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what they call them over here, white goods. Okay, alright. Cool. Fridge, fridge freezers, washing machines, dishwashers, white goods. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Never heard that before. Yeah. And over here in the Hides the Cold War, the, one of the public information films was uh, that anything white would deflect the blast of a nuclear bomb. Oh, cool. Including white people. Including, yeah. So basically, if the nuclear bomb went off, you stood behind a white person behind a white wall in a white fridge. Strangely enough, that actually works in movies. Yeah. Hmm. But anyway. <laughs> Okay. Getting back, getting back to these miniseries that I'm not covering. Alright. <laughs> but the, it's not—it's not impossible that they would—that they could be there and survive. What's what's unlikely is that so many people are so near nuclear explosions that we can see mushroom clouds behind every scene, mm -hmm. and none of them are overly close by. Obviously, those must be humongous bombs, which really poses a lot of problems in a lot of different ways but there's we can assume, we can assume that they must be far enough away and there is a there is a place where you could be far enough away to where you could get hurt by the blast wave but not killed okay well they, they, they don't actually say in um, 
the one they seen where they think Apollo's been killed. They do actually say that, was it, was it 50 megatons? I don't remember the exact number, but that's nothing. That's like, that's, that's hardly anything. No, but I'm saying if that, if that was the megatonnage that they was chucking at the planet. Yeah. Yeah, that would mean that there'd be a whole ton of mushroom clouds in the background, but uh, nothing so big that, you know, it would dominate the, the landmass of seen from space. Right. Fair enough. So, anyway, what's left of humanity is gathered on various ships of various shapes and sizes, some of which are really weird designs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a few of them are right out of the original show. Yeah. Um, Even some of the like non-exciting, you know, military ships—they're just sort of uh, regular cargo vessels—are right out of the original series. Which is actually, which is it, it, you might think is a cool nod, but it's also kind of just evidence that they had really great ship designs back then. The Colonial One was in the original, wasn't it? Sort of. They, they, they. They rejiggered some things. Yeah, like the, there's the the ring ship thing and yeah. a few other things, right? The the one that I that I keep noticing is the cargo looking mm -hmm. transport ship. Yeah, that's like almost identical. That's a cool design. It's a great design. It's the kind of thing that you see in like a video game and go like, I buy that. Mm -hmm. That seems plausible. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that be that's um, is that the one that becomes the mining thing? With the refined the ore later on. That's oh, that ship in it. No, that's um Is that a different one? Yeah, that's a different one. I'm trying to remember the name of that one. Um yeah, I can't remember. The Tilly anyway. refinery episode thing with the Yeah, that'll be a ship episode. The normal ray of BSG. Yes. Yeah. If you get that reference then you're old. <laughs> Sorry, it's true. Do you get that reference? No. There you go. <laughs> Someone did. Have maybe, fun with your Justin Bieber. Maybe it's more of an American thing. <laughs> oh. oh, if it's Justin Bieber, I got no hope. She won an Oscar for that movie. Yeah. They liked her. They really, really liked her. That's what I heard. Yeah. It's nice to be liked. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Out of all of humanity, 50,000 people left mm -hmm. approximately yeah approximately yeah yeah uh, we do actually get find out we do find out in later episodes because they put a board up yeah and it says that at the start of each episode too it gives the count yeah the count changes it isn't always accurate though yeah the uh, presidents wiped out the the leaders are wiped out and the 43rd person in line to succession becomes president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what would that be in America then? 43rd person? Um, I think that would be my uncle. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I mean, they talk about, you know, like the idea of it, it. It is very similar to at least the American... He's a contractor. The American, uh, you know, um, line we, of succession. Yeah, we, there's, there's an absurdly long series of... of, of, of people in that line of succession but basically at some point you get to the cabinet and uh yes you know, by, so... by the time you're at the cabinet you're you're in you're in there's no humanity left right. days so, so the idea of you know the the secretary of education being i mean it's pretty it's a pretty close uh parallel there in terms of uh, why yes i do i do like the bit what adama says you're, you're taking orders from the school teacher right like the, it's a little odd that that the, the the Secretary of Education, because the cabinet, like in in America's line of succession, that's way lower than forty three. Is it really? Yeah, like that's that's like hundreds and hundreds of people down. See, now I'm gonna look it up. Um, but how many is in a cabinet? Um, well, it's the cabinet isn't like really a thing. It's kind uh, of oh, know, yeah, it is. No, yeah. I mean it's not like a, it's not like it's not like a, a normal part of the line of succession. Okay. Oh, oh, it's, that it's, it's past like like Senate. Oh, President oh, that's different to then. Line. It's a great audio. Well, hang on, Xander. It's good. Yeah. Cut this it's out. Good. 
Theater, don't cut this out. This is Cinema Verite. Yeah, leave this in, Xander. This leave is Audio this Verite. This is, this is audio gold. Yeah. Okay. Cut out this all is, the parts where we ask you to leave it in. This is brain at work. <laughs> so here it is. Here it is. This is a, a list of the current presidential line of succession. So it's... Okay. It's always good to look this up online so that the NSA then tracks everything that you do for the rest yeah. of your life. It's, it goes... Uh, How many people do I have to kill for me to become president? It goes... President, Vice President, Speaker of the House, President Pro Tempore of the Senate. That's how you pronounce it, right? Secretary of State, Secretary of Treasury. So the cabinet starts at number four. Secretary of Defense, Attorney General, Secretary of Inter Interior, Agriculture, Commerce, Labor, Health and Human Services, Housing and Urban, Urban Development, Transportation, Energy, and Education is number 15 after the president. So she'd be 16th. She'd be 16th in command or whatever. Wow. Okay, so she's not like the, the. That's not. That's a different cabinet. Wow, that's interesting because Veterans Affairs and then Homeland Security are the two afterwards. Um, that's a different. So, that's a different so, so level someone of who looks after the schools is considered more important than someone who looks after the defense of the country. Right, and I mean, I think it changes to pace depending on you know, like here they have a little notation that. Um, the Secretary of Interior, uh, who would be number eight in line right now, is not eligible for the 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 office because she's um, a naturalized U.S. citizen who was born in the U.K. And in order to be president, you have to be a natural-born citizen. Suck it, Colin. <laughs> so, so, so Secretary of Education right now. Arnie's going to be gutted. Deal with it. Right. She, so the Secretary of Education right now would be number 15 after the president, but under normal circumstances, she'd be number 16. See, ours is so much simpler. Ours is Prime Minister, Deputy Prime Minister, election. See? So much simpler. Well, but, the, but what happens if the, I mean... See, that's really so bizarre, because no I've always heard that the, that the presidential cabinet was after, like, Congress and the Senate. It's after the... The Speaker of the House now, if, and the... If, if, if the Prime Minister and the Deputy Prime Minister are both incapacitated, then the ruling party elect a Prime Minister. Okay. That okay. sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Let the party decide. Yeah. Because <laughs> what can possibly go wrong? Gordon Brown. Um, oh, Margaret Thatcher. <clears throat> well, no, she was voted for by the people, so... Well, that could go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and... Anyway, before we lose all our listeners, yeah. if they haven't already gone. Mm -hmm. uh... <laughs> so, and now we find out that they have faster than light jumps. Yeah. Yes, they don't have like a warp drive. They have some sort of similar to teleportation system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of the fact it was jump. Yeah. Not actually fast and light flight. Yeah. Right. Or skip. But they do call it an FTL drive. Yes. Yeah, they call it an FTL jump. Yeah. Well, there are ships that have FTLs and there are ships that don't have FTLs. The FTL is basically just the way that they can travel faster than light. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually moving faster than light, they're just traveling faster than light. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, and they have to sacrifice all the ships that haven't got it. Yep. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? And that's one of the great moments in that miniseries where, you know, you see them making this tough choice and it's brutal. You know, there's so many moments of brutality in this show, in, in the miniseries in particular, where you're like, wow, these are the choices that you have to make. This is the situation that they're in right now. It's not just that everyone's dead. It's that you've got to try to keep as many people alive as you possibly can and that means letting this little girl who we were just introduced to die, you know? I mean, it's it's terrifying. Um, yeah, it's also... I mean, when, when you watch the show, the show becomes less hackneyed as it goes on, and that beat actually seems really forced. It, they do it well. Like, it could be forced in a, in a lesser... They could have done it a lot they, worse. They do it, let's, let's they say do that. it really well. They could have done it a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. And the, 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 the scene where they show her sitting, playing with a doll in the garden, mm -hmm. as the missiles rain down. 
Yeah, that's that's the part where it crosses the line into silly. To, to me, like I, they they built it up enough that they sold it. You know, it could have that could have gone terribly wrong, but uh, it, it actually works really well for me. Yeah, for me, when I see that shot of the girl with her little doll, I'm like, I I know she's there. You don't need to show me a shot of her or to remind me that she still exists. Mm -hmm. It's just silly. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, it moves forward to Ragnar. So. Yes, uh, and which they explain through dialogue is uh, leftover from the original Silivore that the Cylons can't access because something about the area screws up their circuitry. Now, this is the one point in the miniseries where I feel like it's kind of a misstep because while everything else seems to be on a scale and in a, a structure which is um, um, movie-like in nature uh, and sort of like transcending above television and episodic television in particular this this little segment feels like an episode of tv like now we're gonna go on this adventure you know and it feels like we're going into a sub episode and that bothers well, me because we I mean, kind of are i know and, and that, that and, bothers me but i mean like it is it is broken up into two parts yes and yeah. and this little piece here bothers me it's the one, the one thing in the in the in the movie. But that's, the, but it's broken up into well, two parts. Like yeah. if they didn't break it up into two parts, then like that would that would be a weird thing. It would be a weird little divergence. But because it is the second half, it makes a kind of sense. But it's not like the entire second half takes place on this place. No, it's, but it has, but it's largely to do with like like getting into the fight, and they can't now. They need to arm up, so they go to the only place that they know. So this is the second episode where they're 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 not retreating anymore they're going to turn around i i agree with what you're saying all that i'm saying is i wish it were handled differently okay yeah okay. I, th I think that it's a it's a but part of the this this whole thing part of this uh, this miniseries working so well is because it does actually do both things very effectively it has to be both a movie and show you what the show is and by introducing the idea that like they're that Adama is not the worst person to be in this situation because he does actually have this long memory of things, and the Cylons exploited the like the the complacency and how how much time has elapsed and how people have sort of like let their guard down. But Adama's kind of obsessive and a little bit on the paranoid and and weird side, and that actually makes it possible for him to actually put up some sort of defense. Actually, you know not the absolute worst scenario you've got somebody who might actually have something in his head that could be useful here which is an important thing to tell us early on and it being the second part of the miniseries i think is a really good thing because it's at this point we've really learned a lot of people who aren't so much him and this is really the part where he takes center stage because part one it's kind of everybody it's kind of just the first half of independence day yeah i mean i i, I agree with all of that you know like like i said i, I do agree with all of that and and th that's fine i guess uh, the problem that i have with it is i wish that they were able to weave that into the overall um movie a little bit better in order to um uh you know sort of like make it feel like a, a seamless whole um th this is also uh the scene where there's that little um, continuity error, I guess, in that at this point Adama wouldn't have had any knowledge that the Cylons looked like humans, right? And yet he no, that's not a continuity error. That's okay. just a logical leap that okay. he makes that the audience finds strange. Yeah, do you find it strange? I found it strange then. I, th I mean, like there's a weird moment where he's like, he's like, you're acting weird, you're acting sketchy, and um, I'm thinking that the reason you're being kind of like weird and creepy and kind of oddly confrontational about weird random stuff is because you're not on our side and if you're not on our side then you kind of might be with the Cylons and considering how much you're sweating and acting like a weird spaz I think you might actually be a Cylon yeah. and like that's a big leap mm -hmm. but like that's that I mean like you can you can accept he like it's been 50 years yeah we can accept that like he's probably spent like a few years here and there thinking they might attack what would they be now yeah 
they could look exactly like he at some point he went through that thought process at some point lots of people went through that thought process he makes a very simple leap and says you're a Cylon because you're going crazy here you're freaking out and that's not so implausible the implausible thing is that immediately afterwards he's like one of the models looks like this guy and they all act the same mm -hmm. which he has no way of knowing Although he does get 12 out that there are 12 models. Yeah, yeah but later. knowing that there are 12 models doesn't I mean that each of those 12 is the same personality. Yeah. So, mm. so, so where are we at now then? After, well, after the, the little Adama adventure, which I like. The little Adama adventure the... where he has a fight and beats him up with a flashlight. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah then they're back on the ship and, uh, and Gaius finds that, like, white smoke detector looking thing yeah and which, blames it on, on doral which i i just want to say <laughs> um like I, I i work at a movie theater and at one point um they were installing all new digital projectors and everything like that and you know a lot of people were in and out working on things and, and replacing technology and you know we didn't really know anything about it and one day i i'm like shutting down the theater and i walk through the booth and i look up at the ceiling and there's a little white box with a blinking like LED light on it, and I'm like, "Oh my God, it's the Cylons!" <laughs> I still don't know what that box is there for. Now there's more of them. Now they're all over the place. It freaks me out. They're but, reproducing. Yeah. They're rectangular. Are they the same model? I think so. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> shouldn't there be twelve different? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I, I was thinking. Know. Maybe they're at different theaters. I don't know. Hmm. You, need to have, you need to have a closer look and make sure they're all exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cut one open. Okay. I'll work on that. So, so yeah, so that basically we've so far we've uncovered two of the 12 models. Mm -hmm. Yes, but at, but at this point we're, we're, we're given Gaius's weird sort of like, I'm going to blame this one random person who happens to be standing nearby. Mm -hmm. And uh, it turns out that he's a Cylon because, you know, the Cylon in his head pointed them out. No, but I mean, it, there there is like a, a logic behind it. You know, he's like, well, this guy is someone who isn't part of the crew, yeah. who came on or like around that time. So he's an easy scapegoat. But that, that logic in picking this guy as the, uh, the patsy it applies to, you know, the actual logic behind him being the Cylon. But... That same logic breaks down when you consider all of the other Cylons that are in that scene. Okay, alright. That's fine, but I'm just saying, it's not unreasonable to say that he is a Cylon and, and turn out that your guess is correct. Right, but considering that he just randomly guessed, it actually kind of seems totally plausible it, that he could have picked anyone on that bridge. It wasn't random. And like, one out of three. No, but, but it wasn't random, it was educated, and it was also, you know... Um, if, if he had picked someone who had been there forever, it's like these people haven't seen, you know, seasons one through three yet. They don't right. know. He picked, he picked somebody that he knew they would accept right. leaving behind because they didn't know him. Right. They, he didn't pick him because they didn't know him, so he might actually have put that there. Yeah. He picked him because he knew that they would be okay leaving that guy behind and blaming him. Yeah. Yeah, he's a news guy. It's, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, they're not real they people anyway. But we also do find out that there are some sleepers. Yes. So there what? is there is some some people on the ship who are Solans who don't know the Solans. Well, a, 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 a head character, a character that exists only in the mind of another character says that some of them might be sleeper agents who don't even know they're Cylons. And we have no reason to believe that any of that is true because that might be his hallucination. Mm -hmm. It also might just be a lie because it's coming from a Cylon who's just misleading him, trying to screw him up. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff that happens towards the end of this miniseries that o opens more questions than answers, and there are not enough questions being asked about those things. Like, why should I believe anything you say, creepy hallucination six Cylon? One, I don't know if you're real. Two, I don't know if I should trust you. Three... All of those things, again, because seriously, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, the story moves on. Um, they break out of Ragnar with the 
basically Battlestar Galactica going toe to toe with base stars. Yeah, and and using um, very well thought out space combat tactics by actually just using the ship, the bulk of the ship, as a barrier, which is totally reasonable, and you never see it in movies or TV shows. And this is one of the things that I love about the miniseries. Um, and, you know, I mean, you got you got the space battle and everything like that. It is so well done um, just from a, a, a visual perspective. And also, like uh, I was talking about last time, the, the sound design and everything. And the other thing which we haven't really brought up yet is the music. Um, the music on the whole in this in this series is excellent. But in, in the miniseries in particular, they had like a different guy doing the music. And I, I love the music in the miniseries like I have the CD and I'll just play it I'll just listen to it it's it hits all of the right sort of like emotional uh, notes no pun intended without being overly <laughs> sappy or anything like that melodic um, which, fracks <clears throat> yeah go. melodic fracks and the music's by Richard Gibbs <clears throat> yes and it's he's the same guy who did the music for uh, John Tucker must die <laughs> Why do you have to do that? <laughs> the only reason why I know that is because we had a John Tucker Must Die poster hanging up at work, and every time I'd walk by it, I'd be like, oh yeah, and he did the music for Battlestar Galactica. If you want to know why Mike put up a John Tucker <clears throat> Must Die poster on the wall, Google John Tucker <laughs> Must Die poster. And then write in and tell us why. <laughs> so anyway, um, I, I really love the music um, in... Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> the music is good. Right? It is good. It the, is good. The music that goes with the bombardment of Caprica. Uh, the original music becomes uh, the colonial theme, the colonial anthem. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's a nice homage that yeah. they do. But yeah, the music is very strong through, through Battlestar Galactica. And um, a lot of people use it in a lot of other things. Yes. yes. Yeah, it it's it pops up in weird places. Yeah. But it's it's a very good score. Airplane two. They use the original BSG music. I I like the I like William Shatner in, in Airplane where he opens the door. Oh William Shatner in Airplane Two is actually unbelievably fantastic. Yeah. It's just you know, talking to the guy and you think he's on a view screen, it's not it's a window in the door. Yep. <laughs> I just love that bit. <laughs> And he opens the door by going, shh, shh. Xander, don't, don't cut this out. <laughs> no, live this in. <laughs> so, uh, what were you just searching for, Mike? I was trying to see what else Richard Gibbs had done. Um, oh, God. Well, apart from John Tucker must die. Well, he worked on Queen of the Damned, which is probably how he got involved with BSG because he had worked with uh, Michael Reimer Poor guy. before. So, yeah. It's interesting. The band, not the movie. Mm -hmm. He also did the music for 10 Things I Hate About You. And it looks like he, or maybe one of his old pieces of music Wait. was used in Natural Born Killers. Wait, but... what do you mean the band, not the movie? There's a movie with the same name. Of what? The movie is what we're talking about. Oh, yeah, we're talking about the movie. <laughs> yeah, there's, a, there's a band as well with the same name. Okay. I did not know that there was a band. <laughs> no, we're talking about the movie. Because... That's what I said, the movie or the band. <clears throat> okay. The oh, movie. I thought you said the movie, not the band. Yeah. yeah, it's the movie. It's he the movie. he made that terrible, terrible movie. <laughs> There's a lot of with that girl who's dead. There's a lot of connections to Queen of the Damned uh, and Battlestar Galact in Battlestar Galactica because Michael Reimer, who was the director of the well, the main director on the show on the whole, yeah. um, he directed Queen of the Damned. So like the editor of Queen of the Damned was like the main editor on BSG in, in the first season, I believe, and, and all these other things. Um, it's kind of weird because you look at Queen of the Damned and it's a horrible, horrible movie. Oh, but come on. He's made movies that are way less horrible than Queen of the Damned. This is the Anne Rice film, yeah? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The um, prequel to Interview with the Vampire. Yeah. Yeah, that was terrible. I've never seen any of his other movies. I've always wanted to. Like, he did the one um, with, like, Stanley Tucci and something in Too Deep. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Omar Epps and Stanley Tucci. Yes, In Too Deep is not as bad as Queen of the Damned. Well, I, I End of statement. I totally believe it. Um, but then almost anything is. Anyway, this isn't commentary track stars. Okay, sorry. Track stars. 
I don't know why Mike is even looking up these people's credits. No, no it's going to be curious. a lot of really terrible movies. I was just looking it up for myself, and then you brought it up. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, you like stop talking. Okay. Yeah. You like completely zoned in on your phone. Well, I mean, I was listening to you guys. Okay. Anyway, if you want to listen to movie commentaries, folks, listen to commentary track stars. There you go. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well, you get all this type of minutia. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, to wrap up, the humans go away. Uh, Apollo and his father have a hug. And they all live happily ever after. They all live happily ever after with the Solons chasing them down, which is prequeled by a weird scene where all the Cylons come in to save the guy who they locked up yeah. and all the Cylons wear identical outfits yeah well yeah it's kind of frustrating that the the Dorals that come in are wearing the same clothes as the Doral that's there because does he always wear the same suit wouldn't thing. somebody say he's like Kevin Smith Do you have a lot of them, or you just wash it a lot? Because mm -hmm. you honestly, you look very well put together, so I assume you've got to have a lot of these lying around. Yeah. It's the Henry Ford production model. You can have any color as long as it's blue. Yeah. I, yeah, the, the, the clothes being the same is, is kind of stupid, whatever. And why, where, 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 where did the, all those boomers get all of those jackets? I don't know. I, I mean, did the... That, doesn't somebody, Target. like, bring up how weird it is that she keeps requisitioning jackets? Do they all have jackets? They or pretty I much thought, all have jackets. I thought it was just the one who came in, and she's like, by your command. No? I, thought, I thought there was more than one. I thought there was, like, two. I think there's only one. No, there's only one boomer in the final yeah. scene. Yeah. So she has there's, there's three... There's two... Thorals. Yeah. All there's, wearing the blue suit. Yeah, there's three sixies all wearing the same outfit. Same red dress. Which yeah. you can apparently buy now. Yeah, they bought it off of a Novo, so you know, they got a bulk discount. That was, th dude, this was thousands and thousands of years ago. All of this has happened before, and all of this will happen again. So, so Novos is going to fail and then be restarted again? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's and the eternal cycle. Suck it, you guys! <laughs> you are going to fail, and then be started up again by different people entirely. Yeah. And your, your clientele will be cybernetic humans. Yeah. And they do not ever tip. No. Ever. <laughs> No. They're very so. logical about these things. So, there you go, folks. That's the mini-series. Yes. So, mm -hmm. that's your introduction to Battlestar Galactica and, and all the joy that is to come. Yeah, and if you've made it through the mini-series and you're not sold on the show, really just watch the first episode. Of the show I have anyone who's listening to this has already seen well, I, I, I've also noticed that a lot of people don't realize how to explain that miniseries is not super exciting. Plenty of people will watch it and think that it's boring, and if you're showing Battlestar Galactica to somebody for the first time, make them watch the first episode. It's an easy thing to negotiate. Just say, I need 42 more minutes, and then you'll be fine. You'll be good. You'll be good to go. You'll be good to go. There you go. So, Max, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um... Uh, Twitter on on our Common Track Stars thing and um, on CommentaryTrackStars.com where we do off-topic and Commentary Track Stars which is on Trek FM. Also Twitter at Astral Queen. That's probably already... Somebody in San Francisco already has that. <laughs> Maybe. But if not... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Oh Lord of Cobble. <laughs> Collab. That'll do. Someone hasn't got that. What about you, Mike? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can uh, find me on the same places as Max Commentary, TrekStars.com, where we do off-topic, and comment or Trek.fm, where we do commentary Trek Stars. And I can also do Standard Orbit uh, over there with uh, our friend Drew. Yeah. And you can follow me on Twitter, folks, at C-O-L-M-H-0-1. And if you go to Trek FM, you can find me and Mike on various podcasts on the network, um, as well as Max, because that's basically where we all hang out, apart from commentary, Track Stars, which is on Podbean. Yes, commentarytrackstars.com. Yes. Yes. And all of the podcasts are available on iTunes. Mm-hmm. So, that sounds thanks for right. listening. That sounds right, yeah. And uh, we will be covering 33. 
So when your friends who are Omen and are in a barrel have watched 33, then they can download the forthcoming episode of 33 from commentary Frack Stars. In which no one will spoil anything that happens afterwards. <laughs> oh god, yeah, we will. <laughs> Good. So thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for downloading, and we'll speak to you soon. End of line. End of line. Bye.